me turn this one off. may end up switching from microphone to microphone today. We'll see how things go. Hopefully this one won't cut out. Well, thank you for coming this morning. God is so appreciative of the fact that you're here to worship Him. And we're going to have the main message portion of our service now. So let's uh, pause for prayer. Lord, uh, we pause now as we're about to open our Bibles. We pray, Lord, that you teach us today. Teach us truths that go right to our heart, that change us. As Pastor Tkach just said, you're in the process of transforming us into the likeness of Jesus Christ. We pray today, Lord, transform us. We uh, submit ourselves to you. We lay our lives as a sacrifice to you, Lord. Uh, we hope you'll be pleased. So thank you. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to open our Bibles uh, to start to uh, Luke chapter 15. So i uh, give you a little head start there. The title of the sermon today is Daily Walking with God. Daily Walking with God. You know, when we first become a Christian, we start out strong. Strength and determination come easily, it seems. You know, you might think back to the time you first became a Christian. You were first baptized. You first accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. It was an exciting time. A tremendous turnaround in your life. Faithfulness uh, flowed from our heart at that time. But then life happened. You didn't plan to grow cold, but, but you did. Somehow we can wake up after a number of years and discover that our lack of passion for God has gradually shifted away from our hearts. We then find ourselves living in the ruins of a once vibrant spiritual life. How did this happen? By forgetting one thing. And I'm not going to tell you that one thing right now. I'm going to tell you what it is a little bit later on in the sermon. So pay attention. When life gets busy, like so many of our lives have become, it's tempting to view God as someone good for salvation, but not so relevant for our daily lives. You know, if we have accepted Jesus as our Savior and we've been baptized, we know that we have salvation in Jesus Christ. And that's something we always kind of have in the back of our minds, but that's not all there is to being a Christian, as most of us know. Being a Christian means a daily walk with this God who has saved us. It's not just a one-time thing in our past. Uh, it has an influence on our daily life. We didn't start out walking with God only to ignore Him in our later years as a Christian. In reality, the longer we're Christians, the more we realize how much we, we really do need God. But unfortunately, we see this happening in the lives of so many people who consider themselves to be Christian, they let things just overwhelm them in their life. They get so involved in outside pursuits that they put God on the sidelines. Yeah, they appreciate the fact that they have salvation in Jesus Christ, but as for their daily walk, they don't seem to have very much time for God because they're so busy with other things. This story here in Luke chapter uh, 
15. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I think we're all very familiar with uh, the story of the prodigal son. In my Bible here, it's called the parable of the lost son. I'm just going to read a little bit about it. We know the story. We know the outcome and so on. But just a couple of aspects of this son, the prodigal son, that you may not have considered before. In this story, Jesus tells, I'm going to start out in uh, verse 11. Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. So in other words, the younger son, because of his desires, uh, he wanted his inheritance right away. He, he wanted the money, okay? And the father complied. Verse 13, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And as the story goes, verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while his, he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. <coughs> Beautiful story. It always kind of brings tears to your eyes when you read it because it's a story of God's mercy and God's forgiveness. So here we read about this younger son, the prodigal son, who longed for his freedom. He no longer needed his father. All he needed was his father's money. And he took his father's money, went out and squandered it. He lost everything that he had. So there was a point where he came to his senses and realized that life apart from his father wasn't the kind of freedom he imagined it would be. And this lesson applies to us. Because sometimes Christians get to the point where they think, I don't need my father in my life right now, my heavenly father, because I'm so busy with everything going on. See, I got my job, my family, my hobbies, this, that, entertainment, uh, whatever it is I'm involved in, I'm so busy today. That's the claim of so many people in our society today. But the one thing that he did want from his father was his money, or we would look at it as salvation. See, we got salvation from our father through Jesus Christ, but now so many Christians feel, well, I want my freedom. I'm going to hang on to this salvation because that's a good thing, but I don't really need my spiritual father, my heavenly father in my life. I don't have time for him. And I don't know how many people I've talked to over the past several years who are right in that category. They consider themselves to be Christian. They rejoice in the fact that they have eternal life to look forward to, but right now, day to day, 
nah, I don't really need God that much, you see. There was a, a British preacher back in the 1600s who said this, The soul of a man bears the image of God, so nothing can satisfy it but he whose image it bears. So in other words, we have a place in our heart and in our life for God. Why is that? Because we bear the image of God. When God created the human race, we were made in his image and likeness. So now God created us in a way that a relationship with God is something we desperately need for us to be whole, for us to be of sound mind, for us to have peace in our lives. That relationship with God is vital. So, and it's only God who can fill that need that we all have. And so many people are wandering around in life today feeling that need and not really knowing how to fill it. And they try so many different things to fill that openness in their lives, that hole in their soul, if you will. They'll try a lot of different things. They'll try, you know, buying items to somehow please themselves. They'll try, uh, you know, drugs or alcohol or sex or whatever the case may be because there's a longing, there's an emptiness in their life, and they're trying physical ways to fill that where the only thing that can fill it is a relationship with God, a daily walk with God, okay? And unfortunately, even today, some Christians are feeling that, that need. Things are going wrong in their lives, and they're wondering why. They're happy that they have God the Father for their salvation, but beyond that, there's really no relationship to speak of. So how does our daily walking with God get sidetracked? Think about this. When we become content with just maintaining a level of godliness in our lives, we make cultural Christianity our standard. Okay? People become nominal Christians. That means Christians in name only. Those are the Christians that kind of force themselves to go to church maybe two or three times a year. Easter in the spring, Christmas. You know, they like the music. They like the, the Christmas music that's played at church. And in, uh, you know, springtime, Easter time, they like to go to ch church to show off their new outfit, their new wardrobe, you know. Or I heard somebody say, yeah, whenever he got a new car, he went to church because he wanted to park it in a, in a special spot in the parking lot so everybody can see he got a new car, an expensive car, and they can be envious of him. It's crazy the way some Christians think sometimes. We've heard the saying about people who talk the talk but don't walk the walk. There's some Christians like that. Those who talk the talk but don't walk the walk. So Christians stumble in their lives when they make other Christians their standard. They kind of draw back and they say, well, you know, I know a lot of Christians who don't go to church every week. Uh, they go to church occasionally. And I'm kind of like that too. I fit right in with cultural Christians. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of Christians who don't give very much to their church. They may donate on occasion. And I kind of fit right in with that. You know, I'm equal with these Christians in our society. 
Compared to most Christians, our spiritual life meets the standard of, of Christianity and society. We seem to be in great shape. So they get into trouble when they compare themselves to other Christians. And that's not what God has called us to do. If we're going to compare ourselves to anybody, we're to compare ourselves to Jesus Christ. And you see, we always come up lacking in that respect. When we compare ourselves to other Christians in our community, we look pretty good. We go to church pretty regularly. When we do, we, we, we try to donate a little bit, uh, read the Bible on occasion, uh, try to pray every day, but you know, I don't always hit that mark. See, when you look around at your fellow Christians in this society, you look pretty good. You're probably doing more than they are doing. But that's where we fall into the trap. That's where we get sidetracked. Another pastor said this, Too often our goal has become spiritual maintenance rather than spiritual growth. And I wonder if we're honest with ourselves. Do we realize sometimes when we fall into that trap? We want to look good to you know, people in our neighborhood. We want them to see us going to church on occasion. But I mean, do we have the same fire that we once had when we first became a Christian? Did we have this, the strength, the faithfulness that fl flowed from our heart? In Isaiah tw chapter 29, God, uh, through the prophet Isaiah, kind of really speaks out to nominal Christians or Christians in name only. Notice what he says in Isaiah 29, verse 13. Here he's speaking to Israel and their attitude when it came to worshiping him and their attitude toward their uh, religious beliefs. And I think it applies today to some Christians. Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 13. This is what he inspired uh, Isaiah to say. The Lord says, These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And I wonder sometimes if, if we kind of stray in that direction. God wants a relationship with us that is from the heart. You know, I've said many times that we are in a relationship with Jesus Christ in that we are betrothed to him. We're engaged to him because there is a marriage celebration coming when Jesus Christ returns. And we represent individually and as the church, as the body of Christ, the bride Jesus Christ is preparing his bride right now. And I have talked many times about, you know, my relationship with my wife over the years when we were engaged. It was a, a time of getting to know each other better, of falling deeper in love before our actual marriage ceremony came about. And that was an important time. And we think back to those days very fondly. It was a special time for us. But we're taught in God's Word that we're in that relationship with Jesus Christ right now. And, you know, when we were engaged, we probably talked to each other daily. You know, calling each other on the phone, you know, just checking in to see how we're doing, the normal dating, getting together, going out, having fun, having talks, long talks about our feelings and plans for the future. This is the relationship that we're in with Jesus Christ right now. And it's a daily routine. It's a daily relationship. We don't just thank God for the salvation He's blessed us with through Jesus Christ and then kind of seek our freedom. 
and go out and do our thing, forgetting about God and leaving God on the sidelines. Notice, we're talking about this, this form of Christianity. Certainly it applies to people who are not Christians, but also sometimes to Christians. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. We're talking about nominal Christians or Christians who talk the talk. They'll admit that they're Christians, and they may talk about God occasionally, but there's no heartfelt relationship with Him. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. says this, 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. So we're being warned here, it's not just an, an Old Testament prophecy, but Timothy talking about end-time conditions and the attitude of a lot of people. And you know, this attitude of having a form of godliness but denying its power comes when we leave God on the sidelines on a daily basis. Yeah, we thank Him occasionally for the gift of salvation He's given us freely. And that's something we know we hold on to and will always have. But as far as a day-to-day -day relationship with God, we somehow don't have time for that. We have other priorities. And God says that that's an attitude that we should shun. It's not good. Trust us. Trust me, rather. It's not good. So you see, the pattern for Christian living has never been other Christians. We don't just look around and see what other Christians are doing and we, we try to kind of meet that level. No, God has called us to a standard of living that goes far beyond that. The pattern for our Christian living has never been other Christians. It is Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the pattern for our living. That's what we set our sights and our goals on. How easily we can forget that. So let's all look at our personal lives. Is Jesus Christ a priority? I mean, is He really? And is it reflected in our day-to-day -day schedule, our, our, our weekly schedule, our daily schedule and the things that we do and the things that we put as, this is something i got to get done every day. How involved is God in those plans? Here's three questions I'd like you to ask yourself. Three questions. Question number one. Do I strive to become like Jesus or do I strive to become like my Christian culture? The Christians that live in my community. There's much more expected of you than what your Christian community is demonstrating on a daily basis. You have higher goals to strive for. You have much more to achieve in your life than what most Christians believe. I want to turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Here's our standard for daily living and for weekly living and the things that we put as priorities in our life. 
Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 1, says this. Be imitators of, does he say, be imitators of your neighbors who consider themselves to be Christians and, and try to live up to their standards, which are pretty low. No, he says, be imitators of God. He is our standard. He's the one we're striving to be like. And that's a much higher standard than most Christians will put forth the effort to strive for. So God has set the bar high in each of our lives. And it takes work and it takes effort and it takes a daily relationship to try to achieve that. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly beloved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So that's a question to ask yourself. Do I strive on a regular basis to become like Jesus, or am I lowering my standard and only trying to live up to the example of the Christian culture around me? The Christian culture around us has a very low standard for the most part. God sets a very high standard. He's transforming us, he's changing us, and we need to yield to what he's doing in our lives. Amen. Here's the second question. The first question was, do I strive to become like Jesus or like my Christian culture? Question number two, do I give my all to Jesus or do I just give what's necessary to keep up appearances? You know, we all want to appear as good Christians where we work, uh, amongst our relatives, where we go to school. We want to keep up appearances, but how much effort are we really, put for, really putting forth? We're supposed to give our all to Him. We're living sacrifices. We've placed ourselves on an altar, so to speak, to sacrifice our entire lives to God, not, ju not just certain portions. Here's the third question. Do my Bible reading, prayer, and other spiritual disciplines serve to draw me to God, or are they just to soothe my conscience that I'm a Christian? You know, when I was uh, in college years ago, back in, at the time that the church was going through its legalistic period, uh, the teachers would make comments to us that, you know, you should have a certain amount of time uh, in prayer every day, you should have a certain amount of study of your Bible every day, and they set time limits and time goals for us. So, you know, we, I remember sitting down at times thinking, well, I've got to study my Bible for half an hour today. So I'm going to sit down, I'm checking my watch, you know, I'm reading through a particular book, and I'm checking my watch, and then reading a little bit more, and finally when I see time is up, hey, I'm done. I can get on with my life. I've, I've done what was required of me. I can make a check mark in my little uh, uh, book, you know, keeping track of my uh, study and my prayer. I pray for a certain period of time. It wasn't really bringing me closer to God in relationship. It was just living up to the time limits that had been set for me. So what about you when it comes to your spiritual disciplines? And you know what? There are a lot of spiritual disciplines. Bible study, prayer, fellowship, you know, with, with fellow Christians, visiting the sick, donating money during uh, the offering, 
taking communion, serving some way in church. These are all very good things, but the sole purpose of them is to draw us closer to Jesus in doing those things. You know, from time to time, I have people come up to me and say, I've set a goal. I'm going to read through the Bible in one year. And I've got my plan. I've got my schedule ready. I say, well, that's very good. It's very good. And sometimes they come to me and say, I achieved it. I read through the whole Bible in one year. Now, was your purpose just getting through the Bible and reaching your goal? Or was your purpose in reading that Bible to bring you closer to Jesus in relationship? Because that's what the purpose of Bible reading is. It's not just a matter of sitting down and reading the Bible. You could read a book, any book. But when you read the Bible, you're being drawn closer in relationship and in love to Jesus Christ. That's the purpose of Bible reading. That's the purpose of prayer. That's the purpose of going, taking communion when we have it every month. That's the purpose of serving in the church. So you come here, you know, the sound crew comes and sits down and does all their work on, on a given Sunday. By doing that, it is drawing them closer in relationship to Jesus Christ. If you're setting up chairs, if you're cooking food and serving it, you know, showing hospitality to the, uh, the church members here, what you're doing is being drawn closer into relationship. You've got to see Jesus in everything you do. And you know what? When you come to church and serve, if you realize that you're doing it for Jesus and you're being brought closer to Him by doing what you're doing, there's less room for complaining. You don't find yourself getting into a bad attitude and complaining about this or complaining about that because you're doing it for Jesus. And your service to others is humbling you and it's drawing you closer into relationship with Jesus because you see in your work what Jesus did. He came to be a servant. And you're saying, hey, I'm living the life of Jesus here. And I'm being humbled as I do it. And it's a privilege for me to do it. Pastor Dave told a story about birds today. I'm going to tell you a story too. <laughs> there was a group of researchers and they're studying the albatross. So they go to some faraway uh, uh, island, may have been the Galapagos Islands or something like that, and they need to study these birds because they want to preserve them. They're on the endangered species list. So these researchers uh, manufacture some decoys that look like albatrosses. So they go to this island, they want to attract these birds so they can study them, so they put out a hundred decoys that look just like an albatross. So you look at this island and imagine all these things stuck in the ground. You know what a decoy is, don't you? It's, a, it's an artificial bird. <laughs> it really looks like the bird because, you know, when they go duck hunting, they put decoys out there and the ducks are flying around and they see, hey, there's a whole bunch of ducks down there. Let's go join the party. And here's hunters waiting with shotguns for these birds, you know, to arrive. Well, they're doing the same thing with these albatrosses. They're not going to kill them, but they want to observe them and study them and bring them all together in one place so they can mate and they can pr produce more birds because they're endangered. So these researchers put all of these albatrosses out and uh, you know, here comes so many birds to this island and they're landing there and everything seems to be going well except for one albatross. This one albatross, the real one who landed there, falls in love 
with a decoy. So they brought these birds there so that they would mate, so that they could reproduce. And this one crazy bird falls in love with the decoy. He builds a nest for the decoy. And uh, he protects, you know, he fends off any other uh, birds that want to come uh, and, and, you know, mate with this one decoy because he's fallen in love. It's his mate now. And the scientists are scratching their head thinking, what in the world's going on here? And I don't know how long, this went on for two years that this albatross was in love with the decoy. Understand that sometimes spiritual disciplines can become decoys to us. See, this bird didn't understand his purpose for coming to this island and landing. He was supposed to find a real bird, the purpose for the decoys, and he was supposed to fall in love and mate with this bird and create more albatrosses. It was probably interesting for this bird when mating time finally came. <laughs> I don't think he was very successful with what he was trying to do, but understand what I'm saying. The disciplines that we get involved with as Christians, the Bible study, the uh, communion, uh, prayer, uh, all the different disciplines we get involved with, the disciplines are not the goal. Jesus is the goal. So whatever you strive to do as a Christian, and like I said, all those things are good. Visiting the sick, serving in church, taking communion, uh, worshiping, uh, donating to, the, to uh, the church, you know, offering. They're all good things, but they're not the purpose. The purpose of doing all those things is to draw us closer in relationship with Jesus Christ. But to some Christians, this... Spiritual disciplines are the end all, but they're only used as a means to know Jesus. They are, are expressions of love to Him. They serve to glorify and honor Him. You know, my one fellow pastor that I admire very much always uses the phrase, if it's not about Jesus, it's not about anything. So whatever we do as Christians, it's for the purpose of drawing us closer in relationship with Him, of imitating what He did when He was on earth as a servant. Now, if your goal is just the discipline, just reading so much of the Bible a day, or giving so much money each week, or you know, praying for so long by the stopwatch, you've totally missed the point. You're focusing on the decoy. Uh, spiritual disciplines have become a decoy to you rather than spiritual disciplines leading you into a deeper relationship with Jesus. Do you get what I'm trying to say? Amen. Spiritual disciplines are all good, but you've got to understand the real purpose for them. Don't get sidetracked. Because decoys, if it's only used as a decoy, it's all about me and it's all about you and how much of the Bible I've read, and how long I prayed yesterday, and how much I served in the church. And when it's all about me, then I tend to get into bad attitudes sometimes, because it's all about me. You know, I served the church and nobody appreciated it, because so, it's all about me. You know, when you come to church and serve, whether somebody thanks you or shows their appreciation to you or not, it doesn't really matter, because I serve for Jesus. 
And I'm getting spiritual growth from that because I'm doing it for the Lord. And if you're doing any of these things just for yourself or to just boast about them or to say, you know, aren't you proud of me for what I've done? Then spiritual disciplines have become the decoy for you and you're being sidetracked. The purpose of these activities is to get us to engage with the real thing, Jesus Christ. Okay, walking with God requires one thing. Now I'm going to tell you what it is. Godly behavior and biblical doctrine are important, but that's not the center of our spiritual life. Jesus Christ wants our affection. And you know, years ago, as a Christian pastor, I never would have used a phrase like that. But now I feel very comfortable with it. I still remember to this day when God changed our denomination and we went from being very legalistic to be, being very Christ-centered. And I still remember to this day, we were in uh, Cheney High School having services there and Pastor Oren Telford got up in front of the congregation and he asked everybody to repeat after him. And he said, repeat, af repeat after me, I love Jesus. You know, we were at such a point in such a frame of mind back in those days that it was very hard for some people just to voice that phrase. I love Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Speaking personally to him. And as I looked around the congregation at that time, there were some people who didn't say it, who didn't feel comfortable saying that. Can you imagine how far God has brought us? And now I tell you that the main thing that we need to focus on in our daily walk with God is that Jesus Christ wants our affection. Amen. It's a love relationship. And I hope that doesn't make you feel uncomfortable. You know, when I was engaged to my, my future wife, we were very affectionate one toward another. That was an important part of our relationship. And Jesus Christ wants our affection. He wants to be our first love he wants to be our first love. And some Christians are still struggling with how to do that and how that works. And they got so many loves in their life and so many things to occupy their time and so many pursuits. Some of them are, are good things. But Jesus wants to be our first love. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 2. And let's read what he says to a particular church. And of course, this message applies to all of us. Revelation 2, beginning in verse 4, he's speaking to the church at Ephesus, which was a literal church back in that day. And there still is a city of Ephesus today. You can go visit there and see the, the ruins of the temple and, and places like that. So that church did exist, and this is what Jesus says to this church and to all of us. Revelation 2.4, Yet I hold this against you. He had just complimented the church on many of the good things that they've been doing. He says, Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. And who is that? It's Jesus. <laughs> okay? Like I told you, when we first become Christian, uh, we love Jesus. He died for us. We're saved now. We have eternal life because of Him. But over the course of time, He says, You've lost your first love. Jesus says, I'm no longer the priority in your life. And that's bad. 
It's bad especially for you, he's saying. You've lost your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. So you used to be up here in your faithfulness and in your zeal for God when you were first called, but now because life has happened and you've been distracted in so many ways and for the most part it's your fault, he says, Remember the height from which you've fallen. Repent, change now, and do the things you did at first. And what was the thing that they did at first? They truly loved Jesus. He was important in their lives. He was vital in their lives. He was the priority of their life. But now they've let that change. And he goes on to to talk about what's going to happen if they don't repent. So our first love is Jesus. As I said, we are betrothed to him and he wants our affection. And you know what? Part of that affection is a daily walk with him, a daily awareness of his presence in your life, a daily transformation process as he is changing you through the power of the Holy Spirit into his very likeness. That hole that you have in your heart has to be filled with God. And he wants to do that, but you see, we've got to open the door and let him in on a regular basis. So in every situation in which we live, in which we serve, in every action, our motive should be growing in love with Jesus and for him. Realizing that everything we do on a daily basis is to his glory and to his honor. Turn to one last scripture here in 1 Timothy 1 and verse 5. 1 Timothy 1 verse 5. This kind of sums it up as to what our goal is in our Christian walk. It's very simple. 1 Timothy 1 verse 5. The goal... The goal of this command is love. It's all about Jesus, and it's all about our love for Him. He already loves us so much that He went to the cross for us. So He doesn't have to prove His love. What He wants from us is love in return. He says, which comes from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. And He goes on to say, some have wandered away from these and turned to meaningless talk and other things. And I personally know of people over the years who have left for one reason or another, uh, in some cases to go to a different church, but that relationship with that church didn't last long, and they kind of bounced around from church to church, and some of these folks that I knew and worked with over the years are really going nowhere now as far as church is concerned. Uh, God is no longer number one in their life. He's no longer a priority and certainly not growing in relationship and in affection with Him. So loving God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, and all of our strength is still the greatest commandment. That's what Jesus said it was when somebody asked Him, okay, you've got a lot of commandments here, what's the, the top one? And that's what Jesus Christ answered. And to add to that, love your neighbor as yourself. So we are in a love relationship with Jesus Christ. We're to walk with Him daily. We're to be aware of His presence with us. He's there whether you realize it or not. So you need to start your day in communication with Him 
and anticipate what's going to happen that day, to be reassured of His presence with you, right at your side, experiencing everything that you experience. He's going to know everything that you're going through in your life on a daily basis. And we need to pray for Him, for His involvement with us, to give us the wisdom, to give us the direction, no matter what we're going to face that day. And He won't let us down. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to solve all of our problems in advance so we don't have to face any trials or troubles in life. No, we're going to face those things just as he did, but we have the assurance to know that he is there with us, strengthening us all along the way, forgiving us when necessary, because we're falling deeper in love with him. Don't forget, he's the one that we're going to be with for all eternity. And someday he's going to return and he's going to judge people and we don't want to be one of the ones that he says to, I don't even know you. <laughs> Depart from me. You know, all these people say, but Lord, but Lord, we did this and we did that for you. We cast out demons and, and we did this. And some will say, yeah, we read the scripture and, and, and we prayed and we, we went to the worship place. He's going to say, you know what? Uh, through that, you weren't drawing closer to me. It was just uh, an act that you were performing. You, you wanted to appear as a godly person in the community. You wanted to bring yourself up to the level of your fellow Christians. The level isn't very high, by the way. We want to be one of the ones that God embraces. Jesus embraces and said, My beloved, welcome to your eternal reward. So, we don't judge one another, we judge ourselves. And we have to ask ourselves the question, you know, what is the number one priority in our life? And without fail, it's got to be growing deeper in love with Jesus Christ. And he has provided spiritual disciplines for us to involve ourselves in. As long as we have the right purpose in doing those things, we'll be blessed. So let's take an analysis of our, of our own lives and ask ourselves these questions. Do I strive to become like him or like my Christian culture? Do I give my all to him or do I just give what's necessary to keep up appearances? And do my Bible reading, prayer, and other spiritual disciplines serve to draw me to God or are they to soothe my conscience that I'm a Christian? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the admonition today. Uh, thank you for giving us your son, Jesus Christ. We love him, Father. We love what he's done on our behalf, and we love walking with him on a daily basis. And this is the Savior that we're going to be with for all eternity. So, Father, help us to take this call seriously, to have Jesus as our number one priority. Help us to get involved in Christian disciplines, but the right to have, have the right goal and purpose in doing those things. We look forward to being with you in a loving relationship for all eternity. And that's starting now. So help us to all get the ball rolling and get our focus correct and draw closer to Jesus daily. Thank you for the privilege of being your children. Thank you for the calling you've given us, Lord. Help us never to take it for granted. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.